As you can tell, there's a lot of bitch in me, and Strong this, bitch. this podcast is about trying to get that out. All Americans, except for illegal immigrants, blacks, Jews, Asians, dreamers, liberals, pro-choice advocates, Bernie Sanders, and people who don't own trucks, deserve the right to feel safe in this country. <laughs> I will Venmo $5 to the first person who listens to this podcast and texts me something uplifted. You quit your job, right? You didn't get a promotion. No, she seems like a stupid fucking bitch. Pasha, thank you for doing life with me, sir. Thank you, man. Love you, kid. Love you, too. This is doing life. This week, we tackle the best versions of ourselves. And let me start off by saying the best version of me wrote down three funniest things, baby. That's Ooh. what we're doing first. That's what oh. we're doing first. I'm joined, I'm Mike, I'm Mike Reed. Joined here by Pasha Maher. Pasha, uh, nice, nice to meet you. I'm not only totally shocked that you wrote down one thing. I like, I cannot believe that you are going to your comedy first in an episode <laughs> about being the best version of yourself as someone who aspires to be a comedian. Dog, you are feeling yourself. Wow. <laughs> Coming out shooting. All right. Yeah, so a lot of self-love in whatever journaling you did this week. And I love uh, that. I love that. Yeah. About you. I did my journal this week. I, I bought a pack of index cards. Really? It just, I don't know what that means about me. I have multiple journals to write in, went to the store, bought index cards, throw away, throw away jokes, son. I That's thought I you feel. were going to say, yeah, by journaling, I picked up a pack of menthols. <laughs> 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 oh, man. I love the little click thing. You get to you know, break the little ball in there. You know what I'm talking mm. about? Yeah, that's what tip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So funniest thing for me, well, the first one on the list here, some, some of our listeners are already going to know uh, uh, by hearing part of the story, but uh, I'm not going to run through the whole story. I'm just going to give the sound bite of it. The fact that I said the phrase, I'm sorry, I don't have any cash to give you to a strange man who was giving me a ride home when I was completely inebriated. <laughs> that out of context is amazing and in context, even better. Dude, I'm surprised you did not divulge the story, maybe out of self-respect for yourself, but okay. All right. Uh, no, self-respect. It's more of a respect for the, for the, for the timer. Uh, that's a long one, dog. All right. The next one you don't know about, got Bojangles the other day going through the drive-thru as the employee is handing me my food at the end of the transaction, she hands me my food and says, I love you. You say, I love you too. You know, my, my commitment, my commitment flags got raised and I just, I didn't even take the food. I just fucking darted it out. And I just peeled it out. Uh, no, she's on the fucking, she's on the fucking phone. Um, with a Bluetooth headset and just like doing her shit and just hands uh, my food. Doesn't say like, here's your food, whatever. Just hands it to me. He's like, I love you. And I'm like, what? Clearly, that's not for me. But it was fucking great. The, the food wasn't for you, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't pay for it. I just pulled up, you know? I just pulled up. Uh, all right. Last one you also don't know about. I, I made a. So Bobby watches a show called Big Brother and a reality competition show. Uh, a bunch of people live in a house together. You gotta, you get evicted, you get voted out, that type of shit. Anyways, new season starting, and he asked me if I would do, like, uh, effectively what he asked without saying it was a fantasy league on Big Brother. Okay, okay. Yeah, it, it, it was just no. like you, he was like, "Do you want to do a draft?" He was just like, "Hey, do you want to draft the team?" And then you know, we'll see whose team does better. And I was like, "Okay, this is great. This is a reality television show fantasy league." And as soon as he proposed it, and we were about to do the draft, one, we were looking through the people and their like bios, 
and I was realizing I know just as much about these fucking people from three line bios as I do about the entire NFL <laughs> fucking draft blind off my ass every time. <laughs> but as soon as we try to set up like parameters on like, oh, what's the scoring going to look like? It immediately devolved into what effectively is a PPR debate. It was like, do we give somebody a point for just being in the house, even if they don't win a competition? It was exactly the debate we have every year about fucking PPR. And it was hilarious to me. Well, I think that just goes to show you that like fantasy football in its own way is a fantasy draft on reality TV. It's other people's lives that we can't impact and we have no decision and control over. And um, wow. let's, do you want to bring up the League of Ordinary Gentlemen? Or? <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. All right, I didn't think so. Oh, right, say that for the stage. Oh, that's one of my best stage jokes. Yeah. So, yeah, that was yeah, that was maybe an inside joke for less than two people. So we got half our listenership on there. That we show. go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so dude, I just that's a home run for me. That's that's Hall of Fame numbers right now. Damn. You, you switching roles with me? Do you have anything funny to say? Uh, <laughs> I will go. Um, I think you've heard, already heard the story, um, or maybe I texted it, but. Um, it's going to start not funny at all. Uh, go through some hard shit. I'm very low point in my life. <laughs> and, hilarious. Uh, yeah, it's just fucking funny as fuck. So I'm going through a breakup and um, basically everything I do reminds me of her. And at one point I was uh, in person at a conference on stage with a microphone in my hand and something triggered a memory of her. And I started openly crying on stage and uh, not my best moment. I don't think anyone noticed. I don't know how, but definitely a tear went down my cheek. And I was just, I literally sat there and was like, holy fuck, like you are one pathetic and two, like, <laughs> this is fucking hilarious. So <laughs> I laughed at myself and I hope no one saw. And if they didn't, if they did see, they were nice enough not to say anything afterwards. So yeah, I did. You did uh, let us know about that. I didn't ask you any questions when I saw you this past weekend about it. <laughs> I am glad to hear that no one, it doesn't seem like anyone saw. Because when you originally said that that's what happened, I was envisioning like, they were like, and uh, let's go to Pasha and like handed you the mic and you just immediately started bawling. No, I had just, I had just introduced myself and I think I had done a, a pretty good job of it. And then I handed it back and the next person, you know, whatever, said something, reminded me of her. And I literally was just, I was like, like, okay, like look down for a second, like get it under control. And uh, yeah, they came back to me, not immediately, but afterwards. And I, you know, I started talking and everything was fine. Yeah, way to rebound, kid. Way to way to compose yourself in the moment. Bounce back, like twenty three. <laughs> <laughs> that was a Michael Jordan joke. Okay, yeah. Sorry. All right. Hey, good shit. Um, well, I'm, I'm proud of us both there. Uh, pr- proud of you for for crying in public and uh, and not letting anyone see real squirrel shit. And uh, proud of myself for finally having something funny. Tune in next week when I don't have anything funny to say and I've devolved. Um, <laughs> no, you won't because. You're gonna become best version of yourself. Oh, oh I thought you were gonna... <laughs> and tell me we weren't doing a podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, all right, let us let's get a let's get a sponsor in here before we move on to the the meat of today and, and bettering ourselves. So uh, let's have a word from a sponsor. Wow, this is the earliest we've ever gone to a sponsor, but also I think it makes sense because the sponsor paid pretty premium dollar um, to get a pretty lengthy spot on here. So um, today. We're going to talk about um, being the best version of yourself, and really, when when you think about being the best version of yourself, like we've already had an ad from yoga, and maybe some religious leaders who can help you find your, your best spiritual self, or you know, Gold's Gym help you find your best physical self. But 
there's only one place that encapsulates our entire being into one convenient location, and that is Instagram. <laughs> is your capability as a human so limited that your most salient characteristics can be reduced to a series of single moments captured in photograph? Is your respect for yourself so low that you are willing to seek validation from strangers on the internet who follow all of your activities as you incessantly post any and all moments of your life that can any way be either correctly or incorrectly interpreted to be interesting or of worth in any capacity? Let's be honest. How many times have you looked through all the people who have liked your most recent photo? How good does it feel when she likes that shit? Yeah, that's right. The one who is out of your league? She has to follow you first. Oh shit, dude. You're the fucking man. What's that? You really don't know anything about her? Not even if she has a job? She responds every time you respond to her stories, but never when you ask if she wants to meet up. Oh, that's interesting. But you get it. You get you get it. You get it. It's all a game, right? That shit isn't you. You don't take it seriously. You're not, a, you're not even on it like that. Hey, do me a favor. Go ahead and check the daily activity. Uh, what's that? Two hours a day? What else do you do two hours a day? That's 24 fucking hours a week. That's a fucking part-time job you picked up. Shit, whatever you take seriously, you must be doing a really fucking good job at because you are committed, dog. Quit lying to yourself. IG is your fucking life. It is all of our lives. Constant overstimulation numbs me, but I would not want it any other way. Instagram, get stimulated. <laughs> and that's how it feels to chew five gum. <laughs> My <laughs> dear Lord. Yeah, I, 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 I snuck in a tool quote in there at the end, by the way. Oh, did you? What was, yeah. the, what was the tool quote? Constant overstimulation numbs me, but I would not have it any other oh, way. I thought, I thought tool stole that from you. I was pretty sure Maynard <laughs> uh, had called you. Uh, damn, son. That, that was hard hitting. That was, <laughs> oh, man. I felt that shit. I also, I wish, you know, the irony is midway through that, I was like, man, I wish I was recording this visually so we could post that as a reel on Instagram because that shit would be hilarious. Maybe we can go back in time and make that happen, Mike. Is that possible? Is that a thing? Um, I think we do record the video on here, but I have my video not recording live, so we can't see me. So it'd be a video of your face with my audio. <laughs> is that just as good or what? Yeah, dude, that's what the people want. Um, quick note for everyone who's listening, by the way, I'm sure you noticed the intro is a little bit different. We're switching audio interfaces, digital audio workforces, DAO for people in the, in the know. But um, yeah, the intro won't be the same. Hopefully that's okay. Hopefully we sound good. And uh, you know, thank you for your patience as we migrate to a new system. Back to you, Mike. Wow. That was professional as shit. Um, all right. So, man, the, the question posed this week came from you, Pasha. And it was, uh, I believe, simply stated, what is stopping you from being the best version of yourself? So I, I started with that question. And that question immediately led to me realizing that, well, not immediately, probably like the third thing on my list. Yep, there's a third thing on my list. The first two were mental health and depression. Mm -hmm. And uh, those are pretty big. Then it was inconsistent motivation. And the, the next was an unclear picture of my best self, so, what the best version looks like. So then it was, a, I had to take a complete step back because I realized I don't, I don't know what that looks like. Is that's where, that's where I wanted to start too. Like, yeah. how do we articulate what the best version of ourselves really is? And I'll, if you want, I'll wait in this water first, but like, you know, what are we optimizing for? Like, is there a best version of ourselves? Like, right. <clears throat> I think I boil it down to like areas and right. like within those areas, how am I best in that situation or setting or, or context? But like, for me, like, I'm, so I'm going to kind of get into the meat and potatoes here pretty quickly. So um, onside kick, but I find that like, 
oh, it's first half and blitz. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dog. I find that like when I first interpreted the question in the best version of myself, I immediately defaulted to the most productive version of myself. And I have a lot of thoughts on that. Do you want to comment on that before I comment on my diatribe about how I'm going to talk about productivity here for a second? No. All right. So I'm, <laughs> let me go ahead. Um, I think I use productivity as a vehicle to not overcome pain and suffering, but rather mitigate its impact on my future. Um, I think I read this out of my journal to you already, but for the sake of the audience, I'm going to reread part of this to you, but read it for the first time to the audience. Quote, I've reduced myself to a strict routine and I'm trying to focus on discipline so I can morph my depression into a productive output. That makes it so my hopelessness doesn't impair my future outside of my emotional instability. With everything else safe, I can live within the confines of my emotional hurt and try to cope while my body is on autopilot. I move forward without moving on. I sulk while checking all the boxes. It doesn't make sense to feel the severity of loneliness while seeming outwardly like a high-functioning member of society. And I wonder the damage I'm doing by trying to hide. So now I'm trying to own it and see what happens. I'll probably just be embarrassed, but at least it feels like I'm trying to advance my position on the emotional chessboard on top of all the journaling, meditation, self-help books, et cetera. That was a segment we like to call reading out of my journal. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the idea is like, Sounds good. I'm like, dude, I'm going through some shit and I know like this sounds crazy, but like, I really do feel like this is the hardest point of my life. And that's coming from a guy who's tried to kill himself four times. So like, I, I don't know what the best version of myself now is. I do know I default to productivity and I'm trying to figure out like, holy fuck, productivity doesn't mean anything to me. It makes the people in my li life around me happier. It makes them more comfortable. It does not bring me comfort. Although it can be said that like, if I was wallowing in self-misery and not doing the things I'm supposed to do, then my future would be fucked. So in some ways I'm protecting future Pasha and the people who care about Pasha, but I'm not, do I'm doing nothing to protect myself. And that sucks. Um, hmm. yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's as, it's as black and white, right? Like you definitely derive some happiness or enjoyment from productivity, right? Like, maybe not necessarily directly, but indirectly of like, it becomes a, it's a chicken and the egg. on like, whether doing something selfless and it making you feel good is actually mm -hmm. a selfish intention to begin with. Well, at a minimum, I like cooking a meal and then eating it. So yeah, some productivity is good. Right. Yes. Good baseline. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you, yeah went so I'm actual, you went actual chicken and egg with that analogy. There Amazing. Well there done. Um, why do I clap during these sometimes? What is up with me? Live like, studio audience, man. <laughs> mumble, mumble, mumble. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I tip my hat to you on, on recognizing that the productivity can be as hindering as sitting and wallowing and feeling stuck and completely unmotivated, right? Like even though it's allowing you to continue functioning. It maybe is not serving you best in terms of unpacking. Um, and I think it comes down to, you know, some things that we talked about over the weekend, but time is a huge factor in, in emotional damage like this and, and healing from it. And time, generally speaking, is completely disinterested in what you are actually doing. It doesn't fucking matter if you are being incredibly productive at work or you know still hitting your fucking re workout routines and i know this crosses over into mind body of exercise and whatnot but i think this has been a lot of my struggle with uh depression in general which is a lot of these things just haven't seemed to help 
And really, it's just a sense of, of time and experience that has helped move through a lot of things. Yeah, I'll say I'll say to that point out. specifically, like I think it's easier to reduce these things into microcosms of the greater whole, where it's like, how am I the best in these moments? Like, how am I the best friend? How am I the best at work? How am I in the best mm. treating myself? And like, I think there are common themes to all of those, right? Like, so there is a layer of uh, the Venn diagram that like maybe we can focus on. And I did have some points to that. Um, I'll say though, like the mind body connection, like being off on one thing can tilt everything else. Like I'm very underslept right now. Um, mm. but last night, like I followed like a very strict sleep routine. It was fucking ridiculous. It took me like two hours of like Kumbaya before bed. I was, <laughs> I was like following, I actually, I was like following like Matt Shanker and Josh Shanker's advice about like, you know, ways to get better sleep. And I did that. And like, I actually got six hours for the first time in fucking forever. And like, I woke up feeling better, like yeah. emotionally, um, not just physically, like emotionally as well. Yeah. And uh, I think that like, you know, permeates into your existence as well. So like some obvious things like being the best version of yourself is taking care of your physical self, right? Anything less than that is um, not your best self. And like the extent where that you draw the line there, like, do you need to be like, you know, working out every single day? Like I would argue yes, but I think that you can get away with not doing that and still be happy. Right. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. To that sleeping point, I, uh, I passed out in a, uh, lukewarm to hot vehicle in the parking lot of target yesterday for about two hours. Um, what the fuck dude. <laughs> so <On> purpose? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I made the decision not to get out of the car and tilt my chair back, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just felt like throwing that in there. That was fun. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know how that fits into the best version of myself. I just love the idea of people being like, yeah, what? I was going to listen to his advice, but did you hear that guy? <laughs> what a serial yeah. killer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, to your point on uh, the kind of keeping, hiding from the pain and staying productive versus like showing it more. Um, I don't know. I feel like for a long time, I purposely tried to display the pain and anguish that I was going through like constantly and as quickly as possible with people. And, uh, there, there's a lot of downside to that for sure. Uh, because it, I thought I was doing something like kind of noble at the time. And it was like, Oh, you know, every, I feel like a lot of people were hiding from a lot of these things. And so like, let, let me put my shit out there. And like show people that it's okay. Mm-hmm. But then you kind of just, you got to watch, you got to watch how much you lead with that. Right? So yeah. you, I think it harkens back yeah. to a joke you made way a few episodes back about uh, like people talking, like, how's the weather? And uh, you just going like, well, I am lonely and sad. Getting right? <laughs> someone for coffee and hey, how you doing? I'm fucking <laughs> awful. How are you? Like, I've actually, um, I've started doing that where people, when they ask me, like, like, um, how I like how, cause you'll, you'll see people and you haven't talked to them in a while. Uh, a lot of it's like coworkers and professional acquaintances and they're like, yeah. Hey, like how's life been? I'm like, you know, today's a good day. And like, that's, that's as much as I can reduce myself to, huh. um, where I like, I feel like blatantly lying to people and being like, I've been great is not the answer. So yeah, try to find your version of the truth. Well, yeah. And I guess it also, I think a lot of this depends or what I was really getting at maybe was like more so who's the audience, right? If you're, you know, walking up on a professional colleague and they ask you how you are and you just fucking like leave it on the table and start sobbing. Yeah. That's a fucking problem. When like a good friend that maybe you don't see him that often or you, some of you know, cares like, yeah, op- open up that shit. 
for sure. Yeah. Which I think um, you do. I think you uh, do that already. Like, I think you probably weren't giving yourself credit for already having done that. Uh, I love my boss. And I told him yesterday um, that I was going through some shit. And it's funny because he's like, I don't know, like maybe it has something on the autistic spectrum when it comes to moments like this. Like, I'm joking. I'm joking when I say that. And he would know that. But like, he would also confess that he's terrible in like intimate moments like that yeah. where people are confiding in him. And like, it was just funny because he did like, it's all all the right intent in terms of like trying to resolve my pain but it's like you know how like therapy 101 is like if someone tells you they're depressed like don't tell them how much more depressed you are right <laughs> yeah, yeah. so it was like one of those moments i was just like all right dude i love you but like let's keep moving. <laughs> maybe this is why i don't share with you in the beginning. <laughs> but um uh so i think all right let's go back to the the larger conversation here yeah. about being the best version of yourself i have i've spent a lot of time thinking about this and i've tried to break it down into like two things right and i, I okay. guess i like reverse engineered this after like a, a brainstorming um, and like in trying to find commonalities and all the items that I was looking at, but like I basically boiled it down into two bullets. And like the first one was kind of external factors. And the second one is internal factors, right? Like how, like what's happening to you and then how do you respond to it? So like we would both agree that like settings matter, communities matter, support matters. Mm -hmm. um, there are places where I'm confident and there are places where I'm fully myself. Like, how do I, how do I make it so that the things that are most important to me or whatever I'm trying to accomplish in that moment, I can do those in safe spaces or while fully supported. Um, and the second one, um, the internal piece, uh, the internal dialogue to me was like, okay, assuming that the external piece is taken care of, it's, it's easier to be confident in those spaces or yourself in those spaces. Right. Um, or maybe lot, or maybe have less self doubt in those places. But like, the thought was, okay, if I'm not in a place where I feel supported, if I'm quote on a road game, right? Mm, like, yeah, nice. What tools do I have to build self confidence, build self love, lose self doubt, and like, really lean into the belief that whatever it is I'm trying to do, I will do it and I will do it well, rather than allow the external stimuli to be like. Hey, you failed here before. Hey, you're a piece of shit. Blah blah blah. blah. So that was that was that was my thought. Reactions. Yeah. Anything that you thought differently or wanted to add to? Well, on that, I, I like the analogy you brought in there with the road game at the end. Um, and that's it. I, I want to play with that for a second because I think that's interesting. Of if we use that framework, right? The place that you find self confidence and support and the better version of yourself where you build that is in practice. It's not in a home game. It's not in a road game. It's literally just in practice. Mm -hmm. And then you take that out there and, and put it into different environments. And uh, you know, within that framework, it's easier to access that in the home game, in the environments that are already supporting it, and it's harder mm -hmm. to access it in the road game. What would you define within that analogy as your practice? Um, a lot, it's your routine. It's what you bring to the table, okay. right? Like if you go in for an interview, right? Like you're talking about all the things that you've been practicing in your life. Right. Um, so maybe it's that I think for myself, like I'll use an analogy cause I'm, I'm dating now and I'm trying to figure out like, what's the best way to date for me. And like the idea that like the content I'm supposed to be portraying is like me <laughs> as a human. Right. But it gets so, it gets so lost in like, self-doubt and like oh they're better than me or they don't want to listen to me and stuff like that so like the practice is like learning to love yourself and knowing that you're a catch and i'll say that like um josh really helped me 
understand this point. And it's been something that I've been like, kind of like replaying in my head over and over and over again. Cause I basically sent him a long text. And I was like, dude, the world's on fire. I'm going to die. And, um, his response was like, and his response to the dog in the kitchen with fire all around him <laughs> saying it's fine. He just, he literally didn't respond to anything I said and just said like, um, there's absolutely nothing that you need to change about yourself. And I literally was like, okay, that is what someone sounds like and thinks where they know themselves, they love themselves and they're confident in themselves. Right. Like that's what I'm striving for. Yeah. And it's beautifully succinct, right? Where it's like, look, if you believe, like you said, the practice that you've done, if you know you're in the gym and you're getting buckets, like you don't need external validation to, to get that. It would be nice. It's important right. to sometimes have validation. And I do get that validation from people like you and my friends and stuff like that. Like I can't imagine a scenario where I don't know, like I would talk to one of my friends and they'd be like, yeah, dude, you need to get your life together. Right. Like it, it hasn't happened to me recently. It's happened. It's happened. <laughs> but right now I think I'm in a pretty good place. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so your point of like what the practice is, um, yeah, I mean, the practice is the Muhammad Ali quote, like what you're doing when the lights are off. Right. Right. And the question becomes like being the best version of yourself. I don't think most of us struggle to be the best version of ourselves when no one's watching. I think I disagree. Really? Yeah. I was going to end that by saying like, I think people struggle when the stakes are the highest, when the thing that they want the most is possible, but they need to step in and make some intervention. And like, how do you get confidence in that moment? Um, but let's go to, let's go, let's go to your, let's go. I don't disagree with the last thing that you, that you just said, but I do disagree that it's hard to be the best version of yourself. Uh, but it's easier when no one's watching because it, it, to me, there's a conflict there between it's, it's easier when no one's watching and the analogy of practice, your daily practice, right? Everything I wound up writing down for the best version of myself and what that looks like is exactly what you kind of brought into light. It's me working on a daily practice. It's not, there's a road game and the stakes are high. It's not, we're in a tournament and we're trying to get to the championship. It's showing up to practice and practicing those drills every day. Wow. And and there's no one watching me. It's just me. I, it's, it's easier when I'm with people and when I have home games to show up, but I haven't been practicing. That's interesting, dude. So, okay. So we're taking, we're taking a huge step back because I definitely overlooked that, right? Like I feel really confident and this this sounds like an oxymoron. Okay. So stay with me. What'd you call me? (laughs) I feel confident that my process works for me but is not working for the outcome I'm desiring. Right. And I think that is a self-confidence gap where like, I think anxiety stems from people having uncertainty about their future. Right. Like maybe denotatively, that's how people, one person could interpret it. That's how I choose to interpret it. But I know I can see the growth over time. If I look in the rear view mirror, and I'm I'm talking about all phases, right? Like having a social life professionally, you know, and then dating wise and all that stuff. It's like, I think when I am quote practicing, like I'm, I know I'm, I'm capable of getting myself up every day and doing the practicing, right. And making myself a better version of myself. And that's led me to get to the places that I want to be, um, and have opportunities and, you know, like whatever. The hard part for me is like, I don't believe, or I lack confidence in the hopes that 
where I want to go next, I'm capable of getting to. And I always question that my process is what's failing me, right? Like mm-hmm. I'll use an example, like, okay, I want to be able to make a bigger impact and live a better life for myself through my work. That's not to say that, I, again, I love my job. My job has been great. It's led me to be the best version of my professional self that I've ever been. The question is like, well, where's the continued growth? Like, why haven't I found a new path, right? I've been there almost five years now. Like, am I still growing? Could I be doing more, right? The question of, could I be doing more? And this goes back into like being content with what you have and what you're doing, right? Like Mm. the question becomes like, okay, is my process working? And I'm failing to understand contentment or or happiness within my own life? Or are there parts of my process that need to be changed, right? Like, does my practice need to shift? So like my anxiety stems from there. I never question my ability to practice. I question if my practice is good and it's giving me what I want. Right. It's like, okay, to try to boil it down and muddy the water with another analogy. It's like, you want to, you want to get more defined calves and you're doing pushups every day. And you're like, you're showing up and you're doing your pushups, but like, you're you're not sure why your calves aren't like as defined as you want. a stupid analogy. Yeah. Or, or you're playing basketball and you're trying to get better at soccer, right? Yeah. Same thing. Right. Okay. Damn. I mean, that's uh, yeah, that's an interesting different angle that I, I hadn't considered nearly as much because I don't feel like I show up on a daily basis. Let's, let's start there. Let's start yeah. with, cause I think it'll, I think yeah. it'll domino into, into these things pretty organically. And um, let's start with what is stopping you from, from choosing to practice every day. It sounds like you've mentioned motivation and mental health. Is there anything right. else? Yeah, those ones are obviously huge. Yeah, what came along with that? Uh, difficulty with self-imposed discipline. I have no, I don't have issues with like being disciplined, showing up at a certain time, like getting after things with like if I if I show up and go to personal training with my boy Brad, like I don't I don't have difficulty getting through the workout. I don't have difficulty, you know, doing what he tells me to do. But if I I know when I don't have him, when I take him away, those other days of the week, I don't show up. I don't do anything. So let me ask you this. Is it a discipline thing where you're actually not going? Is it an information thing where you're going and you don't feel like you know what to do or you're hesitant to go because you feel like you don't know what to do? Or is it an impulsive thing where you're replacing that with another behavior? Like Probably one in four. Okay. I, know, I know what to do. I, I know the exercises that I've been doing. I know how I should be doing them. So it's, it's definitely the impulse maybe being there and then using some avoidant behavior instead to circumvent and uh, have an outlet. And it's just like not being motivated, not, not having the discipline. So let me ask, let me ask you this. It's a, it's a difficult balance between like, am I motivated? I'm just not disciplined or I have the ability for discipline, but I'm not motivated to show up. Well, let's stick, let's stick, uh, with, the, let's stick with the working out theme here because okay. the question becomes like, if you had absolute faith in your process, there's no way you wouldn't do it. Like I know that if, if there was something that was as valuable to you as you wanted it to be, you would do it. And you had you made this comment to me over the weekend where like one of the reasons you love yourself is because you can do anything with the right motivation, right? right? Assuming that the carrot at the end of the stick is big enough for you, like you will get there. So the question is like, does do you lack motivation in the sense because you ultimately know that being, you know, 20% in better shape doesn't really add to your life in a way that is meaningful to you. Maybe that's a, that's a incredibly interesting, uh, posit you've made there. Uh, yeah, I mean that, that could certainly be it where it's like, all right, maybe I'm actually happy enough with 
where I'm at physically. I, but I don't, I don't know. I don't really, I don't really believe that in the same light. It's like, all right, I'm not, I'm not like thrilled when I realize I don't have a fucking four pack. Cause I, I don't think I ever really had a six pack. I think the high school, <laughs> the high school, I used to say I had a tripod. It wasn't even four pack. It was like one at the top and then two on top. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so let me, let me say this. Like, <laughs> um, this concept that you are unmotivated, I think could in a lot of ways express true desires and your willingness to pursue those things. For myself, I'm the opposite where I'll do them and I'll ask myself, why am I fucking doing this? I think there's a marginal return on so many of the activities that I do do that I'm getting no benefit, but I'm killing myself to do them. Like working out every day, like reading and journaling and stuff like that. Like, I don't think, well, let me say this, and this is me feeling myself for a second. I know I'm above average in almost every capacity that I put effort into, right? Like I'm above average in physical fitness in intellect, you know, again, like the SAT scores backed it up. Right. So like, this isn't me being irrationally confident. This is me asking myself, am I spending my time in the right areas? And it sounds like you're doing it in the opposite capacity where like you're choosing to not do because you are questioning. I am choosing to do and follow blind faith. And it's like, again, like if we were fucking in a church and you didn't go to church and I went to church and we were both struggling with our belief in God, right? Like it's the same thing. I mean, I I agree. It is is very much like if we were fucking in a church. (laughs) Never have I ever. Have you ever had sex in church? (laughs) Answer the question. Uh, <laughs> stop dodging. Stop dodging. Uh, yeah, I don't. That's I. Said, I, yeah. think, I think you. I think you put that on the. Uh, yeah. Still haven't answered the question. Huh? Uh, <laughs> I think you hit that on the head, man. Like, that's what I do with everything, whether it's comedy or working out. It's it's why why would I be motivated to do that? Like, what is what is the actual carrot at the end, right? And directly, what I did say to you over the weekend was I can learn anything with the right motivation. Mm. Do anything I feel like is different. I can learn anything. Applying it is different. That's a different level of execution, which I think involves high level motivation and diligence to discipline. So you are lack there. So I can learn anything is what I would say. So before you made that comment, you were quickly crossing line into the existential conversation of like, okay, I struggle to be the best version of myself because existentially and philosophically I don't understand what the best version of, my spouse, of myself is supposed to obtain. So like, I think it's too much for this episode to philosophically talk about like optimizing lo- like our livelihood. Yeah. But like assuming that you know what you're pursuing, like how do you, how do, you do that, right? And like right. motivation is key, but I'll say like motivation stems from a desire of, of the perceived outcome, right? Like I think even in, even in some of your like comedy pursuits, like there's still so much self-doubt that like what you want is unobtainable that like that makes it hard to go and, and do the small steps to get there. Fair enough. Because I, to take that, what I want, I don't actually think is like, I think it's easier to say like, Oh, all right. I want to become like a stand-up comedian and say, okay, that's, that's the goal. That's the desire. There's the motivation. Here's the things I can do to get there. But I think we're both intelligent enough and have heard enough stories and talk to enough people or read enough books to realize that the goal that you put out in front of yourself isn't the fucking thing. It's not actually going to make you happy. It, that's not it. Achieving that goal, whatever the goal is, is almost irrelevant. So when I bring that into mind, it's like, do I really want to be on the road a fair amount of the year alone? Right? Like, all right, I got other comics or I have 
I have crowds that I can talk to, right? But I'm not like with friends and people that I love and uh, are supporting me. I'm not, yeah. I'm not as easily around to drive down to Charlotte on a whim. Yeah, right? but, but you and I both do the same thing. We are pursuing our lives in the way that the process is what we love, right? Like I am not quick to kill myself to get to the point where I can post something to Instagram and say like, Hey, I did this, right? Like I'm not going to run a marathon just to get the 26.2 sticker, right? Like it's fucking stupid, but I've learned to work out in a way that I fucking love it. Like I love the, like the physical activity I participate in. Um, I love the books I read stuff like that. Um, and I love my job right now. Like I literally every day I work my job, it, it, it's gotten to the point where it doesn't feel like I'm really working, even though like today has been very stressful so far and sneaking this podcast in has been a blessing. And it's hard to not think about all the work I have to do afterwards. <laughs> but um, yeah, like, no, I, it doesn't stress me out. It's just like, it's just a part of my life that I choose to do. So you pursue comedy and you see the stereotype lifestyle you don't want to be a part of. Just like, I don't want to do, I don't want to live in a van as a musician. Fuck that. Like, I'm never going to do that. Do I want to play music for the rest of my life? Yes. Do I want to record music? Yes. Do I want to play music for other people? Yes. And I can do all those things and still live my, still be a musician in the way that I choose to be from a lifestyle and process standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough, man. Uh, that's a valid way of, of, of looking at something and still integrating it into your life without like feeling debilitated by it. I don't know if I love the process of anything. Like great segue into the process. Cause we started with motivation and then step yeah. two was like, do we have confidence in our process? Right. Right. So pick a process that you are doing that you feel like you have either you do unwillingly or like, you know, you a process that you pursue today that feels like work. Ooh. Uh, like does, does, does pursuing stand-up comedy at this point feel like work? Yeah. Yeah. Like one of the biggest takeaways from writing my list and I tried to boil everything down. So I, I feel like that's a, uh, a fair asterisk to put on this for what I was going to say. My takeaway is, Stand-up comedy is not even on my list of like what my best version of myself is. Like what, what my job is, is not on there. Like, and I, I would have probably guessed if I was thinking, all right, what that looks like, then that's part of that vision. Um, so yeah, I mean, getting up on stage feels like work. Getting to the point to get up on stage feels like work. Even when I quit my job, moved out of my house, and like the only thing that was on my plate Granted, it was only for two months, unfortunately, uh, was it was still fucking difficult to make it to a stage. Is there any part of it that, that doesn't feel like work? Like literally even a single part? Because I'll say this, like, I'm with you where like, as someone who's performed live music for, I don't know, I've done probably like 20 or 30 shows. You've done more than that? Maybe more than that. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'd have to go look. But <sighs> dude, <laughs> practicing the week of feels like fucking work. Um, playing the actual show itself feels like fucking work. Um, the, the like camaraderie of being in the band and being with your friends and like really developing that relationship and like drinking beers and like laughing about shit, like that stuff is fun. And there are moments of like being in a band where like, you're not quote unquote doing the work, but you're like playing something for your friends or like playing a song or like experience it for the first time. And it's like, the first time you learn a song as a band, it's very fun because there's like no expectation. And then as soon as you have to, you put the expectation of like, this has to be fucking good and people have to like it. Like then it sucks and it becomes work. Right. Like, yeah. I'm sure there are parts of like the cool. ideation process for you when you're writing jokes 
where you have a good joke and you laugh at it. And then you're like, okay, well now I have to craft it for a stage. And that sucks because it doesn't become funny to you anymore. The idea is gone, but like the premise now has to be like molded into a, you know, a display that other people can point at and be like, Oh, I like Mikey because he told me this nice joke. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's there. And there's plenty of parts of it that aren't work. Like, you know, telling 12 minutes of jokes, uh, before you and MC did an acoustic set over past summer, like that, that wasn't work. Like that was fun from start to finish and putting it together beforehand and like what jokes and writing a couple new ones and cycling stuff back in. That was all fun. That is quite literally an example of a home game where I don't need to practice. Good point. Uh, right. Like, yeah. And I, it's probably getting too far into the weeds on comedy specifically with this, where like, it always feels like a road game because it, it is like, it's well, let me say this. It's, it's all like <clears throat> the process of getting there is not a road game. That's me not practicing. That's not, that's me not showing up to the writer's table every day, but the actual, I don't know. There, I think this is why players doesn't feel like I can practice without a road game. That's what I'm saying. This is why I think uh, like a lot of like athletes are superstitious and like performers in general are very particular about the things that they like and don't like because you're doing your best to make it feel like a home game, right? Like you're bringing the sensibilities of comfort or the things that you perceive to be comfortable. You're bringing them with you to the stage, right? Like, yeah, that's why people drink scotch on stage or smoke cigarettes, or they have like a weird routine and stuff like that. Like the more you can trick your brain into believing that you're, you're at the same place doing the same thing, the more comfortable and confident you feel. And I'll say that like, for me, um, I think about settings that I am my best. And from an anxiety standpoint, like when I am totally unstimulated and by myself, that's when my anxiety is my worst. And I am engaged and not distracted with someone else. And I can be very connected and present. Like that's why I fucking love doing this podcast because I don't look at my phone for an hour and I come in, I've done the work, I've done the practice and you and I can talk. This does not feel like work right? in any, in any capacity. Yeah, I agree. And I know that if I can pursue other areas in any other aspect of my life where I can do those things, I have the most fun there. I don't look at my phone on a golf course. I try not to look at my phone when I'm like on a date or something like that. And I prefer to like be in places like, again, like when I play basketball, like don't bring my phone, everyone on the court doesn't have their phone. It's great. Right. Like places that create intimacy. I love, and I know a lot of people are afraid of that. Like a lot of people love their phone and feel more comfortable with their phone in their hands. I'm just not that person. Right. Like, and I have to identify mm -hmm. what works for me and make that a part of my process and, and how I choose to quote, like pursue my home game. So like, there's never going to be a point where you go on stage and you ask everyone to put their fucking phone away or something like that. <laughs> you know, like maybe you do, maybe you don't. Um, but you can create elements of like a home game everywhere you go. I want to believe. Yeah. And we keep going to the, back to the analogy of yeah. comedy. It doesn't have to be that. Sorry. No, I, yeah. And I, yeah, I know that for sure. I, I mean, I know what's at the heart of it, regardless of if it's comedy, regardless of if it's, you know, just a normal job, just fucking living. It's that I don't have that. I don't have that discipline, that self-discipline currently. I'm not displaying self-discipline in my daily practice. I am inconsistent with both my discipline and my motivation and my vision. And I know that those cascade into each other. If you don't have a clear vision, you're probably not going to be as motivated, which is going to lead you to be less disciplined because you don't believe in your process because where's your process taking you, right? Like okay. all of those bleed into each other. Um, and I don't know if I like, I don't, it's probably not worth 
even looking of like, oh, I wonder if I've ever, if I ever had all of these things all at the same time, because I don't think that I did. Uh, and to, to what end? I, I know without a doubt, similar to what you brought up, putting, putting in the practice makes the performances more enjoyable, makes me more engaged, makes me more likely to be motivated and disciplined and show up for the practice. Well, let me actually take a step back okay. and stick a knife into something that you just said. Okay. And let me start that by t- retelling, retelling a story of a moment where I think we were in college. We may have been fresh out of college. I can't remember the exact timeline here, but like something that really struck me and like resonate with me obviously the point where i still remember years later is like you saying i'm afraid no one will ever meet the real mike read read again Mm. and what you just said was that you don't think you have ever been in a setting where all those things have been true right may i suggest that Mm. you've you've already created one you've created this podcast where i at least hope you feel like you are the best version of yourself and have created an authentic, intimate space where you are the real Mike Reed. And at least one person, and I know this for a fact, at least one person who has never met Mike Reed has listened to Mike Reed in this medium and gotten to know the real Mike Reed. So the idea that wow. you, you are incapable of creating settings like that is asinine. And I think we always get overblown wow. into the idea that like, we are not always the best version of ourselves. So like, you can be your authentic, genuine self one hour a week at this point through this podcast and maybe while you prepare for the podcast, but like that's the value of this to us and why we don't give a shit if other people listen to it. Because again, we've created a space for us to be the best version of ourselves. And that's fucking awesome. It's something I look forward to. Right. So the idea that it's not possible is not true. The idea that it's hard is true. Right. Like that's why we're talking about the underlying theme so that we can figure out what do I need to bring to the table to create an environment where I'm capable of being myself? And how can I identify those environments so that when they occur, I can encourage, reaffirm, be have that be more part of my life and help the people who created that space make it a better space. Damn son. Oh fuck. Dude, that's why I love that's why I love Kali Yoga. I know I put yoga on blast last week on the ad, but like, <laughs> dude, Kali is a special place to me, even though I don't go to yoga enough to justify a membership. Like I only go once a week and you go at least twice a week to justify your membership. Like I want to pay a premium for that space so that space exists. Like I don't want this space to go away. I want it to be there when I want it to be there. Yeah. And, um, you know, Lindsay has done a fucking fantastic job curating an environment. And I think about it all the time while I'm there. Like, how did you do this? It seems like magic. So, yeah. I think uh, there, sorry, man. Go ahead. No, last thought here. I think there is a, I think there is an art form to being present in places where there is a road game mentality, but there's an even like bigger art form of creating home, home. As simple as that. Like, does my own home feel like a home? I would say now, most days it does. Um, not every living situation I've been in has felt like that. Right. Yeah. I hadn't, uh, first of all, man, thanks for uh, leveling me in the best way possible there. Uh, I, I needed that. Uh, Gee, always- check yourself, you dumb bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I appreciate that. And you're, you're 100% correct uh, about about what you said especially about this space and uh yeah i had not thought in any sense about what you had said that somebody i don't know has met the real mike reed because of this and that is absolutely why this space is important uh for you and i and why we don't care if other people listen uh i guess i i ignorantly have not I, you've been saying settings and we've been using road game and home game 
and I ignorantly have not been thinking about any of this with the idea of environment, right? Like I've been, everything I wrote down is just like, this is how you have to be like all the time. Like the best version of you is this global best version of you. And it doesn't matter like where or how, and it makes sense to me now when you say it that way of like, why I can go to personal training and feel that discipline, feel that motivation, not get down on myself. It's like, all right, well, because the environment is one that I feel I can be myself in and leads me to heighten those attributes to make sure I'm living up to that standard. And then I walk away from that and I don't keep that environment for myself within my own head. It's also true that environments aren't all made the same. Like you can go to the same place two different times and have wildly different experiences depending on who you go with, right? Like if I walk into a bar with people that I'm like almost close friends with, like, you know, someone who I'm like tight with, we hang out. I don't have the same confidence to like engage in external banter than I do if I'm with like my fucking crew. Right. So like, that's why like, you know, support is so important, right? Like I feel almost like euphoric and unbreakable when I'm with like, you know, Pierce, Josh, you and and Joey and all them and, and Mal and Lexi and stuff like that. And like, you know what it's like when they're there and that's why it hurts when they're not. Yeah. Because like, you know, that you're less confident and all that stuff. And like, I struggle to know it's like, dude, like more likely than not. And the thing I guess I'm optimizing for the most of my life is like, I, I really do feel like I'm someone who's interested in like starting a family and like finding a partner. And the thing that makes me, I guess, like anxious or unconfident is that like, I'm most likely going to have to do that by myself and like be unsupported. Like it will probably come in an environment where like, my closest friends aren't there. Maybe I'll have friends who I'm like sort of cool with, but it's almost certainly not going to be someone who I'm like, yeah, the, this person brings out the best version of myself and we're going to go out to a bar and, you know, make it work. Um, so are I'm talking about that for, are you talking about that for your partner? Or are you talking about that for like, like you and your partner and you have a child and then the people that are around you, like the other, no, I mean like, I mean like I go to a bar with friends to try to meet an, a, you know, a prospective female, oh, gotcha. but it's like, I know that that process would be a lot easier. if like, I don't know, like Josh and Pierce were with me and like helping me make introductions. Right. But, um, you know, that's not the case. Like I have to do this on my own. So like, how do I recreate that confidence? How do I recreate, recreate that level of like authentic self and like lean into like, Hey, I, you know, this version of myself that came out tonight, like, is me. There's nothing that needs to be changed about it. It will be accepted. It will be loved. Um, and people will receive the love and, and want it to reciprocate. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you can use that same example for like, you know, applying for a job or making a new friend or networking, you know? So it sounds weird, but it's like even networking events, like, you know a good networking event when you see it where like everyone feels like they're part of the room and you know the awkward ones where it's like, hey, put on a fucking name tag and go like, I don't know, like finger fuck the shrimp cocktail until someone comes and talks to you. <laughs> God, I want you to host a networking event. And say, Come on. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean, man. Uh, yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough balance there of like that that support is so necessary to the environment. Like who's in the environment makes the environment itself, regardless if it's the same four walls you've been in before. Ugh. I don't know, man. Can we, 
We're, we're coming up on 50 minutes, man. Like, I, I was going to say my, my, my intent, and I don't know if you wrote down like what your intent was before this, what you're hoping to get out of this conversation, but my intent was not to resolve like who the best version of myself is. I think my intent was like to like begin the process of understanding what that even means. And I wrote down like, what am I yeah. trying to get out of this conversation? And I wrote down uh, three things. How do I get myself to be the most confident version of myself when the stakes are the highest? Is it by putting yourself in similar moments as often as possible? Is it by staying within settings where I feel supported and then accomplishing the task there? Right? Like the question becomes like, what's more important than internal or external um, um, support, right? Like we talked about external being environments, the people you're with, and then internal being your own individual confidence, right? Like I do believe it's possible to be the point where you are, you know, Nate Robinson-esque, irrational, confident, and you can do anything you want despite the support because you've done it before in supportive environments. Right. And like, that's where I'm trying to get to. And it's yeah. so fucking hard. Yeah. I, I hear you on that, man. I guess. Yeah. To, to, to quote Pasha Maher from episode one, two, three, four, five. Um, I don't have the answers, right? Like that this podcast is not about finding the answers. It's about exploring it and discussing it. And uh, yeah, to take another one out of your book, uh, man, there's a, there's a lot from today that is, uh, uh, going to be a lot for me to digest and, and, and really think about ooh, the fact that the best version of myself does exist on a weekly, bi-weekly or biannual basis. When I'm <laughs> <before> <laughs> these. Uh, and that like that it exists. I think the reason to say the last thing like that I've, I, I somewhat put that asterisk on it, even though I know I'm the real Mike Reed when I'm around certain people uh, is that like when we, when we go on like vacation, so the, we're going, when we go to Joey's uh, uh, River House, like the, the discipline necessarily isn't there. Like I'm not, I'm not there waking up every morning, working out, like writing shit down, doing a gratitude journal, right? Like those other daily practices that I know are helpful when those supportive people and those environments aren't around to help strengthen me. I don't have to, now thinking about it, it's like, I don't need to fucking do those things because I already have the benefit that would come from them. Yeah. Dude, that's a really good point. And I'll also say that like the discipline piece, I don't think everyone has to discipline to survive in those environments. Like chug, <laughs> chugging that much. I mean, that is its own form of, you know, Nirvana and uh, all that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, no one else can play landmines for five hours straight and then yeah. realize there's no fucking point to the game. There's no end to the game. The game just doesn't have an end, uh, <laughs> which leads me into another sponsor for the week. And this week we are brought to you at doing life by bowling. When was the last time you did that? <laughs> it's a game you actually don't know how to score. Think about it. You don't know how to fucking score bowling. You play a game you don't know how to fucking score. If they didn't have that fucking computer doing it for you, you wouldn't know shit, <laughs> which is hysterical to me that we all do something. We play a sport. Every other sport, you like have a solid framework of what you're doing. Anyways, I'm getting off copy here. Bowling. It's the perfect reminder you are either exactly equivalent to or considerably worse than the version of yourself that played bowling last. And then I said played bowling. It's not, it just says bold. Uh, <laughs> you don't play bowling. Anyways, uh, and that, that reason, because no one's ever growing. Bowling is perfect for, unless you are going in there every single day, daily practice, you're not, you're not going to spontaneously become better at bowling. I think you can, we can all learn a lot from bowling, really. Uh, and that's why bowling pairs so well with drinking. <laughs> because you are constantly average or below average. So get drunk. Don't drink and drive. Drink, bowl, then drive. 
<laughs> hey, I'm gonna clap too. There you go. <laughs> Uh, good Dude, uh, I think that's it. That's it for this episode, right? I, I, unfortunately, we didn't have a Stephen A. bitch, but um, dude, that felt like a fucking. I'm glad we extended and had a dialogue about that conversation because I feel like we really needed to stretch out there. And um, you know, we did not plan this ahead of time to get all of the segments out of the way in the beginning so that we could make room for that conversation. Well, we didn't. You may have. So good job uh, by you. Good job <laughs> by you. You a real one, dog. Bro, I'm out here orchestrating the environments. Yeah, but. But uh, no, I, look, we got plenty of time to Stephen A. Pitch, uh, irrational commentary on sensitive subjects and stir the pot. Uh, I, yeah, I'm glad that that went longer. Hopefully uh, it wasn't too much rambling. But you know what? If it was, sorry, that's who we were in that space. And uh, yeah, I'm going to learn a lot from this one, man. So, Pasha Mahir, appreciate you doing life with me, man. I love you, dog. Uh, all the listeners, you've made this far. Love you guys too. Um, and if you didn't make it this far, you know, thanks for even being there for any part of the conversation. Mm. Mikhail, love you, dude. Love you, homie. Do life. Catch y'all next week. <laughs> <laughs>